Welcome to Simple Truth, the teaching ministry of Pastor Eddie Turner and Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Through the practical and simple explanation of God's Word, Pastor Eddie has taught the Word of God to thousands of people around the world. The following message is from a recent service at Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Let's join Pastor Eddie as he shares simple truths from God's Word. You brought your Bibles? Good. Well, let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is talking here. How many of you brought your Bibles? Good. Everybody brought your Bibles? Yeah. Anyone who listens to my teaching? Jesus said, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. Verse 26. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Two Sundays ago, I shared with you a lesson on our need to realize the storms of life come to all of us. Today, I want to talk to you about the subject, a storm has come. How in the world did I get in this mess? I'm in the middle of something, Pastor. How did I get here? Have you ever noticed on television or if something happens in your family that's uh, disconcerting, something that's tragic or something that's disappointing, one of the first things we as humans want to know is whose fault is it? Why did this happen? Who are we going to blame and who are we going to hold responsible? That's just human nature. Why did this happen? Who caused this? Who's responsible for this? That's just human nature in our lives. So some of us, at times, find ourselves right in the middle of a mess. And one of the first things we normally ask is, how did I get here? Why is this happening to me? And I told you a couple weeks ago that brokenness, unexpected crises, accidents, crippling medical diagnosis... Heard one of them this week from one of our church family. Just had a terrible medical diagnosis. Traumatic difficulties, family hardships, and unplanned financial emergencies. They're everywhere. They happen to everybody. In fact, I can honestly say that many of you probably right now are going through something very difficult. You're in the middle of a difficult season. And if you're not in the middle of a difficult season guarantee you that every one of us knows somebody who's going through a mess right now. They're in the middle of it. And this reality shouldn't surprise us. I hear it quite often. I'm a Christian. I don't understand why I'm going through this. Well, Jesus told us we'd go through messes. He told us life sometimes would be difficult. Turn with me to John chapter 16, verse 33. John chapter 16, verse 33. Notice what Jesus says. Jesus says this. These things I have spoken to you. So he's talking to his disciples. And he says, now, notice he he uses the word, he gives us the indication that it's past tense. 
These things I have spoken to you. In other words, he's just reminding them of something that he's already said. This is not new information. Likewise, when we go through the middle of a bad storm in our life, we shouldn't let it surprise us that we're caught off so off guard that it's new information. Jesus says, I've already told you this was going to happen. I just want to remind you again that in me, you will have peace. In the world, you will have what? Everybody say tribulation. tribulation. The word tribulation literally means, it means distress. The word tribulation means distress. It comes from the word which means oppressing or pressure of anything that burdens our spirit. Jesus said, in me you will have peace, but in the world you will have distress. You're going to have pressure. You're going to have things that come against us that's going to burden our spirits. Now here's here's the catch all of that. Listen. He says, in me you'll have peace, in the world you'll have tribulation. How many of you have, are, are in Christ Jesus? Raise your hand. You're born again, all right? You're in Christ Jesus. Now listen to what he says. In me, and we're in Christ Jesus, we'll have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation. How many of you are alive this morning? Raise your hand. Guess what? We're in both. We're in both. We're in Him, which there is peace, but we're living in the world where there's tribulation. Notice it's not either or. You have both. In other words, we're going to live in a constant society that something usually is going on troubling and pressuring and of distress all the time. But while it's happening, we can have peace in the midst of the storm. You remember the story where Jesus, he was on a ship. He said, let's go to the other side, giving the indication we have a destination. We have a destiny. And the Bible says that he went to sleep on the back of the ship and all of a sudden the storm arose and it started taking on water. Jesus never woke up. Why? Because he had peace in the middle of the storm. Now, accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior does not exempt us from the storms of life. Accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior does not exempt you. It doesn't exempt me from the storms of life. I wish it did. I wish the moment we accepted Christ into our lives, we would immediately be shielded from pain and difficulty. Wouldn't that be wonderful? (laughs) Wouldn't that be wonderful? But nowhere in the Bible does it say that. In fact, it says the opposite. Look at Psalm 34, verse 19. I want to read it out of the New Living Translation. Psalm chapter 34, verse 19. Notice what it says. Psalm 34, verse number 19. The New Living Translation says this. The righteous person faces many troubles. The righteous person. Those in right standing with God. Those who are saved. Those who are born again. Not the unrighteous. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. The Bible says, uh, if you sow to the flesh, you'll of the flesh reap corruption. We understand that the way of the lifestyle of the sinner, it's difficult. It's difficult. It's hard. Brokenness, difficulty, pressure. The Bible tells us that. But then the Bible says that the righteous person, those in right standing with Christ, face many troubles. They face many troubles. But the Lord 
comes to the rescue each time. That's the difference in the unrighteous and the, right, unri- and the righteous. The unrighteous in our, in our, are in a world of tribulation. They have no divine rescuer. The righteous are in the same world that the unrighteous is, and we face the same types of struggles from time to time, but we have a divine help to come and rescue us. You see, Jesus himself taught this very thing. Go back to Matthew chapter 7. Go back to the verse that we began with. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Anyone, Matthew 7, verse 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it, it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents. Notice the rain. Now who's he talking to? He's talking to someone who listens and obeys. He's not talking to a heathen. He's not talking to the unsaved. He's not talking to the lost. He's not talking to someone who doesn't care about God and is far away from God. He says anyone who listens and obeys. He says the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house. It won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. Notice to even this person who listens and obeys and works in children's ministry and gives of themselves and tithes and takes the pastor out to eat every once in a while. Even them, even them have some difficulties in their life. Understand this. Sometimes we drive right into a storm when we could have driven away from it. In other words, there are times in our life we could have prevented getting into the storm. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. But then there are other times we have done nothing to cause the storm or to be in the storm. But the storm finds us regardless. There are times you and I are going to make some poor choices and we're going to bring it on ourselves. Can I get an amen? amen? Sometimes it's not always everybody else's fault. And let me tell you something. Sometimes it's not even the devil's fault. I've, I've dealt with some people and I've sat there and scratched my head and I said, Listen, the de- you got yourself in such a mess here, the devil couldn't figure this one out. You have got yourself so twisted and contorted and messed up you would make the devil stay up all night trying to figure out how to work this out in your life. Sometimes we get ourselves in the mess, but sometimes the storm just finds us and we don't have anything to do with it. And you know what happens when the storm finds you and you haven't caused it? You know what that's called? Life. That's called life. Go back to what Jesus said, John 16, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you will have peace in the world. You will have stress. You will have tribulation. You will have difficulty. He didn't say because you caused it or you brought it on or you made the, you made the poor decision. He said it just happens because you happen to be living in this world. Now, so why do, why do storms come? Why do the storms of life come? Anytime Amanda and I are going through something difficult, 
That's the first thing I want. I want to go back here and figure this out. Why did this happen? Because the Bible says the curse causeless will not come. So I would like to figure out why it happens. If I can get back to the root of the thing, I can figure out something. And the Lord's help, if it's something I've done, I can correct the situation. If it's something somebody else is doing, I know how to pray effectively. If it's something, something else has caused it, I will know how to attack the storm. Okay? So why... Do the storms come, number one? The first reason storms come to Christians is we're living in a fallen world. You just need to understand, we're living in a fallen world. Let's do a little history. Go back to Genesis, the book of Genesis. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, let's begin reading with verse number 1 out of the New Living Translation. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. It says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Verse 2. Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It is only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not (coughs) allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. And that was true. Look at verse 4. The serpent replied, you won't die. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her, so she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. Now, men, you know how this works. Your, mo- your wife has cooked and cooked and cooked and you sat down there and she asked you, you don't want that? You're never going to say... It doesn't taste good. (laughs) You're going to eat some of it or you know you won't have a meal for the next week. You'll be eating Roman noodles. As we read this passage concerning humanity's history, this is humanity's history, we understand that God, that mankind lived in what is referred to as the garden. Mankind lived in the garden. Adam and Eve lived in the garden. Do you understand there was no climate problems? There was no uh, warming, environmental warming? There was no... uh, There was no sickness, there was no disease, there was no hurricanes, there was no tornadoes, there was no earthquakes, there was no terror, there was no fear, there was no danger. There was nothing like that. Satan had made his way into the garden, but he still didn't have dominance until man gave him the authority to use it. All he could do was just show up and talk. He couldn't do anything else. Then some type of interchange went on with woman and Satan, in which Satan questions God's authority and God's word. Verse 2 again, look at Genesis 3, 2. Of course we may eat from the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It is only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Verse 4, you won't die. You won't die. 
He got her to question God's word. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Now listen to this, saints. Disobedience. Disobedience to God's word. Open the door for satanic infiltration into the world that God originally gave to mankind. Likewise, in your life and my life, disobedience to God's word will open the door to satanic infiltration into our lives. Did you hear me? Disobedience to God's word will open the door to satanic infiltration into our lives. Notice what Satan said to the woman. You won't die. He said to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. I find it very interesting that the only thing that their eyes were open once they disobeyed God was the knowledge of evil. Anytime you disobey God, you will never learn any more good. Notice he said, God knows your eyes will be open. You'll know good and evil. Well, listen to me. She already knew good. You don't get no gooder than the garden. No sin, no sickness, all the foods you can eat. Hanging out with the man of your dreams. No temptation, every need met. Don't have to deal with Hillary or Donald and see all those crazy commercials on TV. That's as good as it gets. Nothing enhanced her life in in disobeying, disobeying God. Nothing about her life was improved or more beneficial or was enhanced by disobeying God. Isn't it amazing how Satan will say, you know, if you do this, you'll have a lot more fun. If you do this, you'll have a lot more money. If you do this, you'll feel a lot better. If you do this, nothing in disobeying God will make your life better. It only in, increased her knowledge of evil. The only thing mankind ever experienced by disobeying God was evil. And then, with the knowledge of evil, there soon followed disease, distress, death, and decay. And the Bible tells us since that moment, the very earth is groaning for God's redemption. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? Look at Romans 8.22. Romans chapter 8.22. The New Testament, Romans chapter 8, verse 22. For we know that all creation has been groaning. God says creation's been groaning. What's all these earthquakes? What's all of this upheaval in nature? Well, it's because we're using too much aerosol hairspray. Come on. Come on. Well, maybe Amanda, (laughs) you know... You know what? We might, she might be one of the main causes of global warming. I hear that, I hear that, and then go back a few minutes later. How many men know what I'm talking about? And then you go to use it just like, oh, we're about out. And then you get ready to use it, and you know what it sounds like? 
and there's nothing left. The Bible says, for we know all creation is groaning. The earth itself is groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Right up to the present time, the Bible says, the earth is groaning. The earth recognizes it wasn't created to be like this. It started out and it was good. But now evil, death, decay, and destruction has entered in. Well, why didn't, why didn't God just change things? He's God and He's in charge of this earth. Why don't He just change things? And when people say that, why doesn't God just change things? He's God and He's in charge. That logic is partially true. He is God and there is none like Him. But He's not in charge of this earth right now. You need to understand that as Christians. I had an attorney from out of town just email me this past week. He said, Pastor Eddie, I've watched you on TV. I've heard about your ministry. He says, can you answer me a question? I'm struggling with why there's evil in the world. If God is so good, why does He allow evil in this world? If God is so good, why does He allow children to suffer in third world countries? If God is so good, why does He allow crime and all these things that are happening so unjustly to people? Why has it happened? It's because God is not in charge right now in the earth. He might be Lord of your life. He might be in charge of your family, but He's not in charge of this earth right now. And you and I need to understand that. Adam sold out. Adam gave the dominion away. Adam gave Satan permission to come and destroy everything. And since that time, it's been that way. You say, well, give me Scripture from that. Okay, let me give you Scripture. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. Everybody still here? Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Notice who led Jesus? The Spirit. Who was doing the tempting? The devil. Jesus wasn't tempted by God. He was tempted by the devil. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Verse 2, for 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. I don't know about you, I've done those fasts before and after two days I'm ready to eat a cow. Can I get an amen? Number 3, during that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the Scripture says, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Verse 5, then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Now look at verse 8. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you. Now look what he says, verse 8. Next the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, the devil said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Verse 10. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scripture says you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Have you ever noticed in that passage of Scripture when Satan said to him, Hey, look at all the kingdoms of the world. Look at all their glory. 
I'll give it to you if you worship me. Have you ever noticed Jesus never said, well, that's not yours to give. That's not yours. You don't have that. That belongs to me. That belongs to me. I created the earth. Have you ever known? He never said that. He never addressed that. Because Jesus knew. Remember, it's a temptation. What do you mean a temptation? It's trying to draw Jesus away from the plan of God. You're never... I'll be honest with you. I'm not tempted with drugs. It's never enticed me one bit. You can put drugs right in front of me. You can put marijuana. Now, Pastor Wayne's a little different. But you can put, you can, you can put marijuana in front of me. And I'll say, is that collard greens? I don't know the difference. You can put, you can put uh, prescription drugs in me. I've never, it's never, there's nothing in me that's ever moved in that direction. But there are some things that pull at me. There are some things that pull at me. That if you put that in front of me, I've got a struggle. You put money in front of me that's not mine, it's never entered my mind to take something that's not mine. But there are some things in life that pull at my flesh and tempt me. Notice what the Bible says. These were temptations of Jesus. It were things that, things that were pulling at him. It would have been easy for Jesus to say, yeah, I can get that. You know, it was mine to begin with. You stole it. I'm getting it back. When Satan offered him the world and the kingdoms of the world. Let's read out of that verse, those two verses out of the Message Bible. Listen to what the Message says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. The Message says it like this. For the third test, the devil took him up the peak of a huge mountain. He gestured expansively, pointing out all the earth's kingdoms and how glorious they were. Then he said, they're yours, lock, stock, and barrel. Just go down on your knees and worship me, and they're yours. Notice Jesus didn't say, no, that's mine, that's not yours. Jesus recognized that Satan got them. They were his. They were in his authority, his control. Let me give you another scripture. Look at Luke. Go over to the gospel of Luke. Luke tells the same story. And let's begin reading it in verse 5. Luke tells the same story, verse 5. Then the devil, Luke chapter 4, verse 5, Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verse 5. I'm sorry I didn't tell you what chapter. Luke chapter 4, verse 5. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will, verse 6. I will give you the glory of this kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said. Now notice what he said. Because they are mine to give to anyone I please. The devil said, it's mine. I can give it to anybody I want. The Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, recognized Satan's dominance over planet Earth. He recognized it. Look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, 4. If the good news which we preach is hidden behind a veil... Paul says, if the gospel is being preached, it's hidden. It is hidden only from people who are perishing. It's hidden from the lost. Verse 4, Satan is the God of this world. Notice the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, calls Satan the God of this world. 
Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. So why do we go through some storms? I'm in a mess, Pastor. The storm has come and I'm in a mess. Why am I going through this? Sometimes you go through junk because we're living in a fallen world. It's not your doing. You didn't cause it. It's just because it's life. In a world that's not saved and not perfect and not redeemed. It's just life. So sometimes we go through messes because we're living in a fallen world. Why is the second reason? Sometimes we go through messes because we have a lifelong enemy. We got somebody against us. And it's not your mother-in-law. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8. Notice what it says. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Notice the apostle Peter calls the devil our enemy. The Greek word enemy there denotes the word hate and hostile. The devil hates you. He hates you. Listen, life is not a video game with imaginary bad guys that we kill, then turn off, and don't have to worry about them anymore. We have an enemy to our life who literally hates us. And notice what his goal is. His goal is to devour us. Listen to what it says. Go back to 1 Peter 5, 8. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Number one, he's your enemy. He hates you. He's hostile towards you. He's not a good guy. This is not a game. And his his purpose, his only existence, the only time he will visit you, the only time he thinks about you is to devour you. That word devour means to drink down. It means to swallow up. It means to drown. Listen, he just don't want to nip at your heels. He wants to take you and your children out. He hates you. The day you're gone is the best day of his life. Why do we encounter life storms? Because we have an enemy who hates us and is hostile toward us. His, his purpose for existence is to swallow us up, to swallow up our children and to consume us and drown us. That's what he wants to do. Why am I going through this? You've got a devil who can't stand you. And he's going to bring some things into your lives. So we're living in a fallen world. Why else, Pastor? Because we have a lifelong enemy. And then finally, sometimes we're in the middle of the mess because in life we make poor choices. Sometimes it's not the devil's fault. Sometimes it's our fault. Go with me back to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, verse number 1. Genesis chapter 4, verse number 1. Notice what Genesis 4 says. Now Adam had sexual relationships with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, With the Lord's help I've produced a man. 
Later she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Now look at verse 6. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? Verse 7. You will be accepted if you do what is right. Listen to what he says. You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. (coughs) Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. Cain and Abel are brothers. They come to worship and they bring offerings. Abel brought a firstborn lamb. Cain brought some fruit. The Bible tells us Abel's offering was accepted. Cain's offering was not. For centuries, people have been debating why was Abel's offering accepted? Why was Cain's offering not accepted? There's a Bible reason. I'm not going to get into it today, but you can look in Hebrews chapter 11 and it'll tell you. Now, for centuries, have scholars have done that have talked about that. The Bible tells us there is an answer. Hebrews chapter 11 says, By faith Abel brought his. Cain didn't bring his by faith. Listen, whatever is not done in faith is sin. What I want you to see is the principle the Lord lays out here. Look at verse 7. Notice what the Lord says to Cain. You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. And for years I've heard people say, well, I thought it was by grace. This is a, this, you're talking about a salvation by works. No, I'm not talking about a salvation by works. Salvation is by grace. We can't work for it. It's circumstances of life that are works. The circumstances of life will always be according to our works. Jesus said it this way. You do what it's right, you'll be okay. You do what's wrong, sin's coming in. This is not about grace and works. This is about outcome. This is about results. This is about circumstances brought on by our actions. In fact, here, notice the mercy of God in dealing with Cain. Cain missed it. Now understand, he knew what to do and he didn't do it correctly. He's not ignorant in this situation. He knew what to do. But notice, even though he willingly disobeyed God, God was still merciful to him. Notice, when Cain brought his offering, God never rejected Cain. God rejected the offering. Listen, God, will, even when you miss it, God doesn't reject you. He might not approve what you're doing. The blessings of God might be withdrawn because of the lifestyle you're living or the thing you found yourself in, but that doesn't mean He doesn't love you. He doesn't love the sin, He loves you. He never rejected Cain, He just rejected his offering. God gave Cain an opportunity to correct his mistake. When when Cain missed it, 
God said, now Cain, here's what we're going to do. If you make this change, if you shift, if you, if you make a better choice, if you'll repent of what you've done and come back and do it right, I tell you what, you're going to be, your offering to be accepted, everything will be great. But if you persist in living this lifestyle, doing it this way, sin's going to come in and destroy you. God instructed Cain of the consequences. That's how merciful. He didn't say, Cain, I'm going to get you. Notice God didn't say, Cain, I'm against you and I'm going to get you. I hear people talk to people who are in sin. Christians talk to them and they say, you're going to go to hell. You're going to burn in hell. And it's like these Christians want them to go. (laughs) Have you ever talked to people? They're excited that they're going. That's never been God. Notice God never rejected Cain. He rejected his offering. He gave him chance to repent. And then notice after he told him, now if you persist in this, if you keep doing it like this, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to get you. I'm not going to judge you. The devil's coming. He's at the door. And if you continue to keep the door open for him, he's going to walk right in and he's going to control you. And he's going to master you. Listen, when we obey God and His Word, don't forget this. When we obey God and His Word, protection and blessings follow. When we choose disobedience, sin and Satan's dominance follows. When we obey God and His Word, protection and blessings follow. When we choose disobedience, sin and Satan's dominance follow. Sometimes in life, we simply open the door and allow the storms to enter our life. In life, we unfortunately, because we're human, we're not going to get it right every time. I wish I could say I got it right every time. Boy, I've, I've been stupid. Have any of you ever been inflicted with stupid? Sometimes we'll make a wrong choice because of our ignorance. And other times we make a bad decision because of pressures or life stressors that weigh in on us. Then sometimes we make a wrong decision because we're simply rebellious. Did you hear me? Sometimes we make a wrong choice because we're ignorant. We didn't know any better. God told us that. He said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Sometimes we just don't know any better and make a wrong choice. Sometimes we make a wrong choice because we're getting pressure. And we give in to the wrong choice. Sometimes we make a wrong choice because we're just rebellious. I've had people, I've had, I've had men in my office, I say, you know, you're living, leaving your wife, she loves you. She's been a good mate to you. She's been a good helpmate. She's been a good wife. She loves you and she loves your children. Never will forget, I had a professional man in my office. He was leaving his wife. I just looked at him. I'd done everything I could to try to coax him back, and finally I realized he's gone. I'm going to try to shock him into reality. And I said, man, you've had a good wife. She is a good wife. She loves you. She's beautiful. She's, she's just gorgeous. Why are you doing this? 
You're getting ready to miss God. You're getting ready to destroy your life. You're getting ready to create chaos in your life that for the rest of your life. And he just looked at me and says, I know it, but I want to do it and I'm going to do it. And he did it and suffered the consequences. Why? Because he's simply rebellious. Sometimes we end up in the messes because we live in a fallen world. Sometimes we end up in messes because we got a devil who can't stand us and he's going to bring stuff to our life. And then sometimes we get in ourselves in a mess because we have gotten ourselves in the mess. You say, well, pastor, I'm in a mess this morning. Well, here, I've got good news for you. God remembers you're human and he knows you're not perfect and he's not going to get you. He's not going to get you. And second thing you need to understand is not only does he not he not only does he remember you're human and you're not go, you're not perfect and he's not going to get you. He understands you going through what you going through because the Bible says he lived in a fleshly body at one time and he went through everything you and I went through. He understands the pressures. He understands the temptations. He understands that thing. So, he understands you're not perfect. That's why he sent Jesus ahead of time to forgive us of our sins before we ever did it. Have you noticed Jesus doesn't have to go back to the cross every time we sin? He's already once and for all forgiven us of our sins. Why? Because he knows you and I aren't perfect. So if you're in a mess this morning, understand Jesus recognized you'd get here. <laughs> That's why he went to the cross to pay for your pardon. Number two, Jesus knows what you're going through. He's sympathetic towards you and me. And number three, and here's the most important thing, you've got to realize God is rescue ready for you. He is rescue ready. All he needs is for you to call upon him. And he'll come to the answer. Remember what it says in Psalm 34, 19? Many are the troubles of the righteous, but the Lord is ready to do what? Rescue them out of them all. So if you're in a mess, you are a candidate for a rescue. Thank you for listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Eddie Turner. Please join us at Family Worship Center, 3045 Memorial Boulevard, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, when you are in the Middle Tennessee area. You can also learn more about FWC at our website, www.familywc.com. Thank you again for listening to The Simple Truth.